You know, it's a season of traveling and uh, I hope that you are able or are going to be able to take a vacation and get away and kind of catch your breath, even if it's a couple of days. I'm thankful for that. But I'm also thankful for all of you that are, are here in the house when you're not traveling and you're faithful. You make such a difference. And what I like to do in the summer is I really like to think of the summer months as discipleship months where we tackle and talk about things that are really pertinent and really important for each of us as a believer. Because the reality is, is none of us have fully arrived in our walk with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? None of us have fully gotten there. So as a matter of fact, I want all the perfect people to raise your hand. Yep, we got a couple over here, y'all. Can you, you two perfect people, can y'all stand up? They're perfect. That's your model. And I know at the altar service today, there's going to be two, at least two devils cast out. But anyway, I'm playing. But you know, the, the reality is that we need strong words in our lives. And today, I want to do that. Last week, we talked about compromise in our lives. And this week, I want to talk about something that has been so screwed up by the church at large that it can be very frustrating, and it's called the favor of the Lord. And I want to talk to you about what does the Bible teach us about favor? Why is it important in our lives? Why do we need to understand it? Because if we have a faulty understanding of principles that God has laid down for us, we're going to struggle through life and, and struggle to complete what God's called us to complete. So I want to help you today to dig into that and understand what does this mean for your life. So today I want to talk about the path of favor. So if you would, would you stand to your feet very quickly as we get ready to read the Word of God. As you're standing to your feet, I want to say this. We want to say how grateful we are as a church to be able to stand with believers all over our nation who are grateful for the decision that the Supreme Court made this week. Amen. And I want to say this too, be praying for your Supreme Court members. We live in such a crazy, crazy time. But I also want you to remember this, that that decision is only a starting place of bringing healing to people. So I want to challenge every one of you as believers. Don't get so caught up in this celebration moment that you forget that now that we've had this, the job of believers becomes even more important because we've got to care for people. We've got to be physically and spiritually the church and the people that God's called us to be. So I feel like this. Personally, I feel like God's given us a win, and sometimes it feels like those are few and far between politically in our world. But what I will tell you this is remember, it's the first step. Be who God's called you to be. Be an answer for someone. Be a blessing for someone. And you say, well, how do I be a blessing? I'm glad you asked, because that's what we're going to talk about. So as we open up our Bibles, we're going to open up into the book of Psalms, where we're going to start. I love the Psalms. It's so poetic. It's the musician in me. I, I love the poetic books of the Bible. And I absolutely love what the Bible says here in Psalms 
chapter 37, and I want to read simply just the first five verses. I think they really apply to the world right now. So Psalm 37, verses 1 through 5. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. In other words, things change so fast. Don't worry about what's going on in the world around you. Things are going to change. You know, what's popular today won't be popular tomorrow. Everything shifts. Everything goes. The Bible says our lives even are but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. And they wither as the green herb. Now, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. I love this verse. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments of time, Lord, I pray that you will open our minds as we open our hearts and let us receive your word. God, I know this word is coming through a person, through a man, but Father, I pray that as we speak your word, that it will cut to the very marrow of who we are. And God, I ask this as always, we're here and we want to be better. We want to grow. Help us. And Father, I pray now that the soil of the hearts of your people are ready for your word. And as it goes out, we know with expectation it's going to bring back a harvest of good in each of our lives. So convict us, oh God. Thank you for your word. And we honor it today. And Lord, the last thing we ask is this, that when we leave our time together, that we will be better than when we came. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And amen. As you're being seated, turn to your neighbor and say, I need something from the Lord today. If you can't say that, something's wrong with you because we all do. So I want to talk about this, and this is not a a particularly heavy subject, but I really struggle sometimes because I see people who want so badly to walk in God's favor, but yet they don't understand why they're not seeing God's favor in their lives. So today I'm going to help you understand why. I'm going to help you understand that of why perhaps in your own life and in things going on in your life where you're saying, well, why isn't this working out the way I thought it would? Or why would, I want to help you understand sometimes we miss the mark that keeps us away from some of the things that God has for us until we get it right. And today, I think it's important for us to dig into the scripture to understand what it means because it's so valuable for us. Let me look at that verse one more time, verse four, because I think this is so important. Psalm 37, verse four, where it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, the questions that you have. The problem is we don't slow down enough to absorb God's word. 
So that's what I want to do, as I want to help you slow down and see this. The first key that we're going to see is this. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord. So delight yourself in the Lord. I find that amazing. So we realize when we delight ourselves in the Lord, then he will give us the desires of our hearts, right? Now, here's what I want you to understand is a lot of times in our world, when we read this scripture, we jump to the second part of that scripture of the desires of our hearts. We jump right there. I want to, I want to rebuke you on that. All right. Don't jump ahead. Do what's important first. And the first part is understanding. Delight yourself also in the Lord. What does that even mean? Does it mean when worship comes in at church and we gather, we're, we're happy and we're jumping and we're shouting? And what does it mean? It means so much more than just that. And I want to start with this key thought to get you guys going. So your first key thought of the day is this. Many desire God's favor on their lives, but aren't willing to align their ways with the path that brings that defined favor beyond salvation, but to fulfilling their God-given purpose in this life. Now, it's a bit longer, so let me read it again because I want you to get this in your heart. Many desire God's favor on their lives, but aren't willing to align their ways, right? That's the way we walk. It's the way we live, our ways, with the path that brings the divine favor. The path that, that brings that divine favor. So what I'm telling you is what the Bible teaches us is there is a path to that favor. And that's where we wanna dig in. And the, the favor goes far beyond salvation because some people get confused and they think, well, I got favor, God saved me. You got mercy. That's what God gave us. He gives us mercy. That, we'll talk about that in just a moment, and it's powerful, and thank God for it. But the far, favor of God goes beyond salvation and goes to fulfilling their God-given purpose in this life. So what I, here's what I would ask you to understand and to grab into your heart today. Is, this, is that God has a path for you that will lead you to the things that you need in order to complete what you were created to complete. The reason that we're not getting to the places, the reason we keep getting distracted and we're not seeing the blessings of God, the favor of God in our lives, many times is because we keep getting pulled off the path because we get it, we get it backwards. We want God to give us the desires of our heart and then we'll delight in the Lord. Is that not the truth? It's like, Lord, you know, it's so often it's like we see it in the world around us. Well, if you'll do this for me, I'll be your friend. Now, let me tell you something. If you've got to do something in order for somebody to be your friend, you need to move on. Right? If you're looking to, let's talk about it in a dating relationship. It's like, well, if you want me to, if you want me to love you, then you need to do this for me. Honey, you better run the other way about as fast as you can because that's just a devil right there. He may be with you in church. He may be, but if, if he's putting this on you and saying, I'll love you if, you need to understand that's not love. That's not love. That's somebody setting you up to be used. So now let's take that and put it on to how we walk with God. So when we say, God, I'll delight myself in you once you give me the desires of my heart, then you are trying to relegate God to that same situation that we just talked about. And how many of us know that is absolutely ridiculous? And I don't think anybody intends to do it that way. 
However, because of the way of our flesh, the way of this world, the nature of this world, that's what we find ourselves doing. Because we're really good at putting ourselves first. We're really good at that. But the the key, one of the keys to walking the path of favor in your life and getting to do what God's called you to do is being able to submit your will for his will. That's where the rubber meets the road. So let's, let's talk about that just for a moment. Because I want to say this, and I heard a friend of mine say this once. He says, God doesn't have favorites. He just favors people who favor his principles. Have you ever noticed that even people that aren't Christians can be blessed have you ever noticed that? And it's like because they're generous and all these things, they're, they're all these things, and you see them be blessed in certain ways. You're like going, how can they be blessed? Because they're working on a universal principle. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. If you work the same principle, God will bless you. But here's the thing. As a child of God, the blessing, the favor that God has for you goes far beyond what they can experience because they're working at the lowest level of the principle. So I want you to get this in your heart today, that just because somebody else has resources or somebody else has experience or all these different things that you don't have, do not discount yourself because you're not that person. No, 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 no. God doesn't favor people because of their position. God favors people because they favor his principles. Does that make sense? Okay, because I want you to grab that in your heart. So what do we do? How do we do this? Well, the first step is understanding that even Jesus had to grow. Here's what I want you to know. You've got to grow in favor, right? I mean, I know we talk about all these different things we need to grow in, and we talk about grow daily. You've got to grow in your favor, You say, well, how does that work? That doesn't make sense. Well, then ask Jesus. Because he says, and we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and read through the Gospels, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is important to understand because even Jesus, you remember he was young and uh, they, he, he had kind of got away from his parents and they were looking for him and they, they found him in the temple and they said, what are you doing? And he says, what, I'm, I'm about my father's business. Why are you surprised? It's that kind of story, you know? And as he grew as a man physically, he also was growing spiritually. So what we see in this scripture is Jesus increased in wisdom, right, mentally, He got smarter. He got the stuff in him he needed to have. Stature, that's him physically. And in favor, that's spiritually. So what I'm trying to tell you is the level of favor that you walk in is directly connected to your level of maturity and what you've grown in Christ. So what I want to help you do is to break past the barriers that are keeping you stuck where you are. I want you to understand that God has amazing things for you. And I'm not out here preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm telling you a principle of the word of God. And I want to correct the distortion that the prosperity gospel, the bad side of prosperity gospel has done and bring it back into order and say, this is what God says. This is the principle that God has laid before us. It's not simply a money thing, it's a life thing. When we find that level, that that path, we need to walk in it. So the first thing we need to understand is what is favor? What in the world is favor? If we need to be on a path of favor, what is it? Well, let's look at the definition. The definition of favor, I gave you two. Number one is a divinely assigned advantage 
for an abundant life. A divinely assigned advantage for an abundant life. How many know God's called you to abundant life? Right? John 10.10. He tells us that straight out. We're called to an abundant life. And what I want you to understand is an abundant life isn't about stuff. An abundant life is about having the purpose that God created you being hap- happening in your life. Of you moving forward into what God's called you to do and called you to be. So the favor is a divinely, that's by God, a divinely assigned advantage for an abundant life. In other words, when we walk the path of favor, that God gives us advantages to live out the life that he's called us to. And this is so important because, once again, we get things backwards. We want God's favor on the path that we choose. We want God to bless what we want him to bless, but instead, I'm telling you, if you walk in life and you'll rejoice in the blessings of the things that he's already blessed, I'm telling you, it changes everything. So we come to the place that we're looking at and going, wow, how do I live this out? And I love the second definition. It's tangible evidence of God's approval. Let me ask ask you like this. Have you ever seen somebody and you go, wow, they have the favor of God on their lives. I know I'm talking Christianese for people that have been in church a long time. But you say, it's like they, they have the favor of God. Anybody ever looked at somebody and thought, wow, that's amazing. About three people have said that, so we need to work on favor in the house. I, pre- I, I chose the right message today. But the reality is, is we see people and we say, okay, let, let me say it like this. Have you ever seen somebody like, wow, they are so blessed. I wonder what they did to get so blessed. We do that, right? Here's what you want you to understand is we look at this blessing, favor, is tangible evidence of God's approval. When you see a believer and they're walking in areas and they're working toward what God's called them to do and you see physical, tangible evidence of God's approval in their lives, that's what I want you to understand. That's favor. That's the favor that all of us need. And I'm going to tell you right now, because uh, I've heard all the things. It's like, you know, if you're going to be a believer, you've got to be poor, you've got to be broke, you've got to be destitute. Let me tell you something. That's the most ridiculous thing that you need to take that, wad it up, and throw it away. Because God's also called us to be a blessing. And how can we be a blessing if we're broke and disgusted all the time? Right? Now, your favor is not just connected to money. Your favor is connected to relationships. Your favor is connected to all the different things in our lives that give us the abundant life. It's connected to your purpose, all those things. But it's all connected, and that's what I want you to see. So if the enemy can put a negative seed in your mind and says, well, this is, you can't do this. You know what? If you get rid of that seed, pluck that weed out of your garden and plant a good seed. And that seed is, is that God's called you to be highly favored. You ever met that person? You say, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. I've heard people go, I said, are you? Because I'm, I always want to ask the question, well, how are you blessed and highly favored? Tell me about that. You know, and it's true. As children of God, we have been bought with a price. We are children. We are adopted into the family of the living God. We are sons and daughters. The Bible says we are heir to the promise. So why is it that we live so far beneath who God's called us to be? Let me tell you. 
you know, I grew up, I'm, I'm a preacher's kid, and I know that's probably the 90% of the issues that I have in life. I'm a preacher's kid, and I grew up in the church. I grew up, you know, everybody's your uncle, everybody's your aunt. It's like, you know, Southern church in those days, it's like, you know, if you did something bad, you could expect a whipping or something from about 50 people, you know? It's like, you, you better look out. And you certainly couldn't do anything wrong because if you did anything wrong, it was getting back. You know, but I remember, I remember there was, uh, and I didn't like it sometimes, but I remember when I had an understanding because for a long time, I didn't like the fact that I was connected to my heritage. I was, a, I was the son of Pastor Paul Baggett, the happy pastor, one of the most radical, charismatic revivalists the world had ever known. And, you know, and, and I didn't like that. And it's like, I just, I, you know, there's so much responsibility, all that stuff. And then one day it clicked. And I said, you know what? I am grateful for my heritage. I am grateful of who, whose father is mine. And pretty soon it came to this when somebody said, are you Pastor Baggett's kid? I said, you better believe I am. Yes, I am. I am. I am Clay Baggett, the son of Paul Baggett, the happy pastor, the one that ran the benches and, and took two pays off of men's heads that sat on the front row. <laughs> Y'all have no idea. It happened. Oh, I'm telling you, if you're in the front row, you're in the danger zone in my dad's service. As a matter of fact, I remember a guy, he went down and he got to preaching and he reached down and he grabbed the guy by the knee and started shaking and saying, and he was talking to him while he was preaching and he walked off and the guy's leg went with him. <laughs> Promise you. Dad had no idea he had a prosthetic leg. But anyhow, yeah. Well, what'd y'all think? His leg just came off? That's, that's a reverse miracle. That don't work. But anyway, his prosthetic did. I'm telling you, there, there are so many things that we look at and we need to understand, but I, I think it's important to know that when we own who we are, when I realized that when I go somewhere, that yeah, there may be somebody that doesn't like it, but when I own who I am, it changes everything. And so some of you, you've got to get past the hurt, the anger, all the situations of life and say, you know what? I know things haven't been great. I know I've made some mistakes, but today I know. Today I cleared out the room and got rid of some baggage and I made room for the Holy Spirit in my life. And when I leave this place today, I'm going to walk out of here knowing that I'm walking in God's favor because I've made room. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I know that I have a right to the favor of my father. You know, so when we look at this, it's like, you know, okay, uh, I, I, I've lost both of my parents. They're both in heaven. And uh, when they passed, you know, the one thing that we knew, all, all four of us kids, we had a legacy, right? Well, we also had an inheritance. And when it came to that, there was no argument of, do you deserve the inheritance? Well, are you doing what mom and dad would want you to do? There was, no, there was not all that. It was because we were the blood. We were the sons and the daughter of my mom and dad. So we were privileged to have a part in the inheritance. And because of that inheritance, I just want you to understand, the inheritance wasn't connected because I was a great kid. I was, but my siblings, not so much. But they, oh, they'll be watching, trust me. Anyway. But it wasn't based on that. It was based on who my dad and mom were. 
And see, when we take that ownership, because a lot of people say, I don't deserve this. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Mercy is when God doesn't give you the discipline and he doesn't give you the penalty of what you deserve. That's mercy. And thank God for mercy, right? That's the Old Testament. When we talk about mercy, we talk about mercy and truth. We're talking about the Old Testament idea of this is who God is. It's about mercy and truth. God not giving you what you deserve and walk in truth. But then we come to this place where we realize there's an importance to this favor. And we're going to talk about Jesus and how he came. And instead of mercy and truth, we got grace and truth. This is so important. But the first thing I want you to understand is I want you to understand the first step in all this is understanding the importance of living in God's favor. You need to grab a hold of this because I want you to understand this grace that we're about to talk about is the gateway to God's favor. Grace is is how we get there. Grace is the power to accomplish things God's way, not your way. And the problem that we run into and we get frustrated is because we're trying to do things our way instead of God's way. You know, there's a lot of people in the room and a lot of people that are listening right now that you've gone through difficult marriages. And if we're honest and we look back, we'll realize that a lot of the issues that we had was because we did things our way instead of God's way. We find that in all kinds of areas. We're raising our children, we're all the different things, our businesses, all the things. I'm telling you, there's a path of favor, and if we'll do it God's way and not our way, it changes everything. But his grace is the power to accomplish things his way. So as a matter of fact, when we talk about Old Testament to New Testament, you know, the Bible says, it explains it very simply, John 1, verse 17. It says, for the law was given through Moses, Old Testament. But grace and truth came through Jesus. And then the important thing to understand is, okay, so we talked about favor. Well, let's talk about grace. What is grace? I gave you two definitions for this. So two definitions for grace. The first one is simply this, that is uh, God's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, that means uh, you didn't have to You didn't have to deserve it. You didn't have to simply work for it, right? You don't deserve it. You get his favor. That's what grace is. I gave you another one to to break it down just a little bit more. Uh, Grace is blessing in spite of unworthiness. Because if we come down to it without grace, none of us are worthy of the favor of God. So all I'm trying to make you understand, it's a level playing field, God is not a respecter of persons. God's not looking at him and saying, you know, I'll bless Pastor Clay in such a way. I'll show him favor in this way, but that favor is restricted for the clergy. Seriously? You do realize that's ridiculous. The only difference is whether or not we choose to do what it takes to stay on the right path to get to that place. That is the only thing that's different in what you can receive and what I can receive. So when we understand this, it changes how we live out who God's called us to be. So mercy, let's look at that. Mercy, a simple definition is God's not punish us even when we deserve it. That's mercy. Now grace, New Testament. 
Grace is God's blessing us in spite of unworthiness. In other words, I think an easy way to describe this is grace is the spirit of more. The spirit of more. And you go, whoa, 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 Clay, what are you talking about? Because I believe walking in grace is a spiritual thing. And when we talk about grace, grace is when God gives us more than what we expected. Grace is he forgives us. He gives us more forgiveness than we deserved. Come on, anybody, right? He gives us restoration, more restoration. You know, that, how many times do we read through the scripture where Jesus says, I, am, I give you more than you expect? When Paul's teaching us, it's exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or expect. This is the spirit of grace. And when we walk in that grace, when we walk in that favor, everything changes. You want to walk in anointing in your life? Then walk the path of favor. You say, well, pastor, I know you've been saying that this whole time. I still don't know what that path looks like. Well, number one, understand the importance of God's favor in your life. Number two is this. You need to align your goals with God's word. We live in a world where we want to mold God into what we want him to be. This is not how this works. The creator of the universe, the God that created every star that we see, every planet that's out there, the, the sun of our solar system, our entire solar system, the, the small things that if we were to rotate just a little bit more on the axis of earth, everything would be in chaos. Nothing would work right. All these little things, the God that created the universe... And you want to tell me that you need to, he needs to mold to you? But that's what we do because we want God to bless our stuff when we're not walking for him. In other words, we need to make sure our goals are in alignment with God's word. How do I do this? All right, I'm glad you asked. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. You say, what does that mean? I'm just telling you, it's saying, bind his word to your lives. This is why I tell people, when we live in a world where people are trying to devalue the word of God, to try to say, this, this isn't, this isn't this, and this was messed up, and this, listen, you need to get those people, leave them alone, don't even go there, because here's what I want you to understand. When they devalue the word of God, you're going against what we're reading here in Psalm, because he says, keep the word around your neck, keep it close, let it grow inside of you, let it be important, never take it away. You know why? Because the enemy's always trying to rob, steal, and kill. He wants to destroy you. And if we're going to grow, if we're going to be who God wants us to be and have that, we've got to bind it around our neck. Write it on the tablet of your heart. Let me ask you a question. What happened to Bible memorization? You know, you remember when you were a kid? How many of you were taught John 3.16 before you could say your mama's name? You know what I mean? I, we learn scripture before anything. I could quote scripture very early in life. Why? Because it was important to my parents. And because my parents took this to mind and said, I want to write this. This needs to be written on the tablets of our heart. 
You see, the closer we are to God's word, the closer we are to his path. Now, here's what I'm going to do as I start to wrap this up. I want to take you to the place where we're talking about up there in Psalm chapter 37 in verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Let's talk about that. So I'm going to give you your second key thought and your last key thought for the night, the day, is this. Truly delighting in the Lord is when we take our eyes off of what we want in order to pursue what God wants. I'll say that again. Truly delighting in the Lord is when we take our eyes off what we want in order to pursue what God wants. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Isn't it fascinating that it's so easy to say these things, but so hard to live? It's a battle. It's always going to be a battle. It's a battle for your heart. It's a battle for your soul. And you say, well, how do I do this? First, you need to understand, it's up to you to walk this out. It's not up to your pastor. It's not up to your mama. It's not up to your daddy or your grandmother or your grandfather or anybody. It's up to you. This is your responsibility to walk it out. You say, Pastor, how am I supposed to do that? It's so difficult. Well, that's why we have a scripture. Grant Ross read out of Zechariah 4. I am too. He said, in 10, I'm in verse 6. And I love that scripture. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You say, well, why is that important? Because that's why I want you to understand. Grace is a part of that spirit of the Lord. It's what gives us the power and the strength to do what we can't do on our own. You know what's amazing to me? Is we want so much grace. Of us. But we're so judgmental of others. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is understanding the power of grace. I think many times we misuse grace or we call something that's not grace as grace. And what I want you to see tonight or this morning is that we need to make sure that we understand this spirit of grace that we can walk in changes everything. This spirit of grace shifts everything to the place that the last thing I'd say is that you need to consistently walk in the spirit of grace and not on your own desires and not on your own emotions. Our emotions will lie to us. I don't know about you, but I get angry. In this world, when I see things that don't make sense to me, You know, I, and I try to not be a, a political person. I want to speak the truth of God's word. But when I see people that are people of great position, I don't care who they are, say things that are vile. To stand up and say, we will defy them. We will defy the Supreme Court. And I'm looking, I'm saying, here's the problem. I don't want to be like that. What's missing? What's missing in that? Grace. Whatever has happened in those lives, whatever is happening in her life, that particular person, all that stuff, you know, and I, I have my own thoughts about that demon possessed. But anyway, there's other things that I think 
But what I know is this, is what's missing in lives of people that function out of anger constantly? Grace. It's not a spirit of grace, it's a spirit of anger. That's what our world has. A spirit of anger. And you know what the world wants to do? You know what that spirit wants to do? To separate us. To divide us. And I'm here to tell you something. None of us have got this all figured out. We're just trying to do the best we can. We're trying to be the people that God's called us to be. But we've also got to be people that understand what does, the God, what does God's word say about it? Because if we're Bible-believing believers, then my opinion doesn't really matter. This matters. Because the one thing I can tell you, things in culture will change. I've been alive long enough to watch it change. I mean, for God's sake, when bell bottoms came back again, I thought the rapture's coming tomorrow. Because that needed to go back to the gate, that needed to go back to hell where it came from. Oh, Lord help me. Okay. But I think it's important for us to understand this is our basis of belief. It's what we have. And even though culture changes and all those things change around us, this doesn't. And the older I get, the more value I find in things that don't change. So let me read one quote that I found. I want to share this really quickly and we're going to wrap it up. This is A.W. Tozer in a book called Discipleship. I even gave you the page number if you're curious, page 71. But contrary, this is A.W. Tozer. He said, contrary to what professing Christians like to think, many of God's people are not willing to walk in perfect agreement with him. And this may explain why so many believers do not have the power of the Spirit, the peace of the Spirit, and the benefits that the Spirit of God brings. 